Good morning, Oracos Church. So, go Strohs, exactly. Extra innings, they got it done. Correa with the blooper to center field, and boom. We were, actually, we were driving back from a gathering, and we were watching the game on our phone, and Alyssa and I were like, we like, well, yeah, I was like, <laughs> there was one moment she was like, don't look at the phone, look at the, the road, and I was like, she got me. She, she always gets me. But I was like, dude, this is the only time, I probably, the Astros are probably the only time I've ever liked baseball because they're just so fun, right? I mean, like the names of people, it's like, it's just baseball, but it's the Astros. So go Astros. Uh, we may go to a game today, um, actually, after, after the service, so, so you know. Um, so Howard Tom, okay, so basically, this is on my heart right now. Um, I love summer. Summer is a great thing. And the roads have been much more open and empty, which has been pretty cool, right? Like, this, the school's out, people are traveling. Um, but for some reason, I just heard just the Holy Spirit say, what if the rest that you seek is in not going away, but staying, like, where you are, you know? So, like, instead of looking to leave to get rest, you're excited to be around those where you're at to get rest. Does that make sense, I guess? Yeah. So everybody here, I think about, you know, it's summer, but you're here. And so I know you, some of you have traveled or, or not traveled, but you're, you're choosing to be here. You're choosing to be here amongst your Oikos family. And we, I hope and pray that that's restful because I think that's what God's, been helping me and my wife to see is that rest isn't getting away, but rest is being with um, those that you trust, those that minister to you, those that you're open with, those that you're authentic with. And I believe that's also, I think that's really the, the heart of Acts chapter 15 is through the trials and troubles and tribulations. Um, the guys that were, that were sent before the, God, before the Lord to, to be missionaries to the Gentiles, to us, they didn't run away. They kept coming. They kept staying in it. And they found rest in the trial. So may we find rest in the trial. May we find grit in trials so that we can stay in Houston. But don't, but don't drive. Just, just, just walk. Don't, don't cause the traffic to be loud. So... Before I get further into the topic today, we have a video. Paul said to Barnabas, it's time to visit Galatia and see how the churches are doing. Barnabas agreed, but wanted to take John Mark along. Paul refused pointing out that Mark deserted them on the last trip. They couldn't agree upon this, so they decided to go in different directions. Paul chose Silas to go with them. While they were visiting Galatia, they found a young man named Timothy. He was highly respected by all of the believers, so Paul encouraged him to join their ministry. One night, Paul dreamed he saw a man saying, Come cross the sea and help us. Paul woke up and knew it was from God. Once they sailed across the sea, they went to a city called Philippi. They spoke to a group of women who had gone to the river for prayer. One of them was Lydia, a woman who sold expensive purple cloth. 
She listened to Paul preach, and then she and her family put their trust in Christ. After they were baptized, they convinced Paul to use their homes as a base for ministry. In the same city, there was a demon-possessed slave girl who made money from her owners by predicting the future. She started following Paul and Silas through the streets of Philippi. Suddenly, she yelled out, These men are here to tell us about salvation. She did this for several days. Paul finally turned and said to the spirit within her, Leave that girl. By the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. Immediately, the spirit left her. Her owners were furious. They knew the slave girl could no longer be profitable for them. So they gathered a mob who took Paul and Cyrus to the city officials. They said, These Jews came to Philippi and started teaching the citizens of Rome about their God. It's not right. The city officials agreed and had the men beat them publicly. They were taken to jail, where the jailer put them in chains. Around midnight, Paul and Cyrus started praying, singing, and giving praise to God. Suddenly an earthquake shook the foundations of the jail. The doors flew open and the chains fell off the prisoners. The jailer woke up and saw the doors were open. He assured the prisoner had escaped, so he pulled out his sword to kill himself. Paul shouted, Wait! Don't do that! We're all here! The jailer grabbed the torch and rushed into the cell. He fell down and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your family. The jailer took them to his home and Paul explained the message of Christ. The entire family believed and were baptized. The jailer then washed the wounds of the men and served them a meal. The next morning, the city officials sent guards to the jailer. They said, You may release those men and let them go on their way. Paul sent a message back to the city officials. We're not leaving. We're Roman citizens, and you have beaten us publicly and thrown us in jail without trial. Now you want us to leave quietly. We are not going. If you want us to leave, you'll have to come and personally release us. The city's officials were shocked when they heard that these men were Roman citizens. They rushed to the jail and quickly apologized. They personally brought them out of jail and asked them to please leave the city. Paul and Cyrus didn't leave right away. They went back to the home of Lydia and encouraged the believers in Christ. Then they left. And it ends just like that. And then they left. So amazing story, right? They're in prison. They sing. The gates fly open. The ones that had them in prison, that had them in chains, end up coming to Christ. And this, his whole household, the oikos, that's what that word likely means, is the household comes to faith. Awesome story. That in the hardest trial, where things just look like they're turned upside down, God comes through. And Paul and Silas don't just survive, but they thrive. People come to faith. It's hard to believe. My question I think about when I read this story is, how did they get there? Like, not physically. We know how they got there. They got beat up and they got dragged there, right, and put in chains. But how did they get there to where they can praise God in trial, praise God in chains? That instead of when hard times come, Plotting an escape route, plotting a way to get away, plotting another vacation. They're looking at how they can proclaim God and have God rescue them. So when plans fail or change happens, I really think that 
what I see from Paul and Silas is they adapted. They adapted and they moved forward. And they got there because they believed that the way to get rest is through Christ. The way to get restoration is in Christ and not in changing the circumstance. So some questions I have to kind of pump us, prime us up for the sermon today. One question is, this came to mind. What is the difference between grit, that's our sermon topic, grit and stubbornness? Because they can look the same. What is the difference between grit and stubbornness? Okay, next question. Where are you resisting the Holy Spirit's redirecting? It's kind of a hint to the other question. So grit and stubbornness, and where are you resisting? Not if, where, we all are in some way. Where are you resisting the Holy Spirit's redirecting? And last question for now, have you had your coffee yet? Because <laughs> we're going we're gonna to get into this right now. Make sure you got your coffee, if you drink coffee. No pressure. All right, so Acts 16, Paul and Silas. It's a story of Paul and Silas and Timothy experiencing a lot of redirection. They had a plan. Right before this chapter, Paul and his good bro, his good buddy Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, he is a natural encourager. They were rolling through preaching about the new church, and they split up. Just after getting blessed by the apostles in Jerusalem, they're getting blessed. They're getting the approval of the apostles, the guys that walked with Jesus in Jerusalem. They make a team, him, Silas, Barnabas, John Mark's in there, and some other guys, and they're off. But right before this chapter, they break up. So Barnabas and John Mark go one way. Paul and Silas go another way, all because of a disagreement over John Mark. Redirecting. That's like, I don't know, I, when I think of Barnabas, I think of Ken Rogers. Just, he's not a son, he's a man. He's a father of encouragement, you know. And, and just having disagreements where there's a splitting. Maybe between him and Pastor Aaron or something. And, and I'm John Mark, and I'm stuck in between it, I don't know. Or maybe Jason is, I don't know. I'm so prideful, I'm John Mark. And we go different directions, and Jason takes Silas. Jason, I mean, Aaron takes Jason, and then Ken takes me. And I mean, what? So in, in this chapter, God redirects them. So they already are on shaky ground. And the church in Jerusalem just made a huge, swooping new commandment. They said that, hey... As we're sharing the gospel to, these, to, to, to new people, people who don't know nothing about Yahweh, nothing about the Torah, nothing about the ways of Moses, nothing about circumcision or tassels on your feet or the doorposts and, and Passover or the Book of Concord or Martin Luther or whatever. And nothing about that. How can we share the gospel to them? And they make some really easy, didactive, or simplified commands. They say, no sexual morality. So they just know, you know what to do, don't, don't do it. People know what to do 
just do what's right with your, with your mate. Then they said, don't strangle animals uh, as you're preparing them to eat. So I, that's a really interesting one. Alyssa and I talked about that for a while, and she said maybe there are pagan nations who were strangling their animals sacrifice, and then maybe the, the council was saying, let's do this differently than, than that. I thought that maybe it's about being humane, that as a human being, there's a way that we are to treat the animals that we are eating. There's a, a way to be the way God created us as we tend to and slaughter and kill the animals. I don't know. And that separates us from non-godly people. But there was one, too. Those other two. The third one was no more circumcision. You don't have to circumcise people. You don't have to have guys cut foreskin off anymore to be a follower of Christ. All they need to do is just believe in Christ, be moral in their sexual lives, don't strangle animals before you eat them, and don't circumcise. So why do I say that? In Acts 16, 1 through 3, as the team is broken up and as Paul and Silas are starting their own journey, separate from Barnabas and John Mark, they confront some of these tensions all over again. So let's get, I want to get into that story. Acts, uh, Apostle, Acts Apostles, verse, 16, verse 1 through 3, Acts 16. So Paul went from first to Derby and then to Lystra, where there was a young disciple named Timothy. His mother was a Jewish believer, but his father was a Greek. Timothy was well thought of by the believers in Lystra and Iconium, so Paul wanted him to join them on their journey. In difference to the Jews of the area, he arranged in deference, so deferring to them, he arranged for Timothy to be circumcised before they left. For everyone knew that his father was a Greek. So more than likely, they were there to share some of these new commands from the council. That, so if you're looking to, just to convert people to Christianity, here are the new rules. We don't have to circumcise people anymore. But what do the Christians do right there in that moment? They know what is right to do. They were probably just told that by these men. And then they, but they say, well, I, can you just, can you just circumcise Timothy, please? Come on. Come on. I know this is a law that you just made. Just do this guy. I, I just, I'm not ready for this new stuff yet. I'm not ready to be redirected yet. So even though you're speaking a new command, let's just do the old stuff still. Just this one more time. They forced Paul to circumcise Timothy. So what is that like for us? When is God, when is the Holy Spirit speaking something new to us, but we go back to the old? We go back to the old way because it's comfortable, because it's convenient. How is God looking to redirect us? Because he has a better plan than us. But we go back to the old plan. So we have this, I have a story. Me and Alyssa, two years ago, we went on a biking trip. Um, we just bought some bikes. And we were very full of pride. 
and thought we were awesome at bike riding. So we decided to go to Fredericksburg, I think, and go on a bike ride on the Willow City Loop with brand new bikes. And the bike ride went on for a lot longer than we, than we thought. This is a story of survival, <laughs> of stupidity, and grit, and grit. So basically on this loop, about 26 miles in, we were, we were feeling good. And it was right at the point where it's called Willow City Loop, where all the nice tr plants are at. So we were like, well, okay, we, we feel good. We've gone about 26 miles, so why not go over this loop and maybe we'll just find a way to head, head back? That was the point of no return. <laughs> Basically, that whole loop, where it's all pretty, was mostly uphill. So there was a, there was a grading process. There was like one, two, three, four. And we looked on our map, and the grade was HC. So there wasn't even a number for it. We didn't know what the number meant. I thought it meant holy crap, actually. Because <laughs> as we were on it, it felt like that. It was like, dude, we were going. It was about 12 miles of just steady uphill grade. And we couldn't finish. I was getting cramps in my legs. We had to stop several times. We didn't have enough supplies in our bags. I was literally getting worried that we're going to have to camp out here for a while <laughs> without food or water enough water. There were trucks passing by. There were people on bikes passing by. They were kind of like, are y'all all right? <laughs> they gave us looks of pity, honestly. Some of these motorcycle trains. <laughs> that was scary. But we, but we ended up making it about 36 miles in, exhausted, to this place called Harry's on the Loop. And Harry was this country dude in the middle of nowhere. He was the only thing on this loop. If it was one before that, we would stop there. He was the only one. And it was this shack. He had a hammock next to the shack. And he had another little shack that was his house. The other shack was his business. So we're walking into Harry's. And there's bikers outside, the ones that passed us. They actually clapped and smiled like, hey, you made it. No joke. That happened. You made it. So we're walking into Harry's, and Harry's is there behind the bar. He's like, what can I do for you? Slick back hair, flannel shirt, kind of like Jason, but his hair is slick back in his mid-40s. There's Budweiser and Kool-Aid beer models all over the, everywhere. I'm not looking at any of them. I'm next to my wife. And I'm looking around, not at the models. And I look up, and there's this huge right there on top of me. Here we go. Can't understand. I don't know. You understand. No. And I'm just like, you know, this is a different experience. And there's just like three people in there sitting down talking. One guy has a rooster as his emblem on a chain. I don't know why, but just a rooster crowing. So we ask Harry, do you have any Gatorade? Because all we see is beer. And he had in a small cooler Gatorade. I think we bought over half his supply of Gatorade. We downed two of them a piece within like, within like three minutes. Two Gatorade bottles. And we bought like two, two more. Three more maybe. So we're drinking and we're getting restored and we're getting peace. 
And we're having an awesome conversation with those same people. They had these weird misconceptions about that maybe they were racist or maybe we're not going to make it out here alive. Maybe Harry's going to, I don't know. And we had an awesome conversation for about 30 minutes with the people that were there. God redirected my perceptions about them. Showed me that after talking for 30 minutes, we were very much alike. We had some similar things that we cared about, and we had a good time. And it wasn't for us being stupid. We would not have stumbled upon Harry's on the loop and met some friends that we didn't think we'd become friends with. Where is God calling us to do that in these current times? So back to Acts of the Apostles, chapter 16, verse 6. Next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Pyrogea and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at the time. Then coming to the borders of Mycenae, they headed north for the province of Bithynia. But again, the Spirit of Jesus did, did not allow them to go there. So instead, they went on through Mycenae to the seaport of Tros. That night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia and northern Greece was standing there pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So we decided to leave from Macedonia once, having concluded. God was calling us to preach the gospel, good news there. So they had a lot of redirecting going on. They were first called to Galatia, and then God said, no, go to, go to Macedonia in a dream. They were probably going to go to Asia, but they ended up going to Macedonia instead. So they decided to go that direction. So by the way, we didn't make it out of that trip alive, <laughs> so you know. Um, we ended up surviving through the next 20 miles, and we got back to um, Fredericksburg, and we had a terrible night of sleep, but we, we made it. Um, but it was a good trip. But in this story, in this chapter here, we keep seeing the Spirit keeps telling Paul and Silas and now Timothy, I have a better plan that you don't see, and are you going to follow that plan? Are you going to go to Asia or are you going to go to Macedonia? He's asking them to adjust to the detours. He's asking them in the midst of trial, show grit and trust him. Grit means not going to Asia, that place where you expect you're supposed to go. Grit means going to Macedonia, or metaphorically, the place where the Spirit interrupts and changes your plans and says, go here instead. So where is your, where is our Macedonia? Where is that place that you just hear the Holy Spirit saying, do this in the midst of a plan that you have? So <clears throat> the Asia and would you go? Are you going to go there? Are we going to go there as a church? Where is that place? 
I don't know if God was telling us to do the whole 57 miles on our first ever biking trip, but we did it anyway, and I thank my wife that she went with me. <laughs> she was like, this is stupid probably, but we did it. She did it with me, but we survived. Maybe I should have listened to Spirit more on that trip and not did it, the whole thing, but his grace and his mercy got us through. You'll see in this story that God, because Paul and Silas are with him and Timothy, and they're obeying the Holy Spirit as best as they know how, though with opposition, he continues to bring them blessing. He continues to move in front of them something they don't expect. And plan. It's a better plan. Um, Acts chapter 11. So they're, so they're continuing on. We, we, boarded, we boarded a boat to Trials and sailed straight across to the island of Samothrace. And the next day, we landed in Neapolis. From there, we reached Philippi, a major city that, of that district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. And we, stayed three, and we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went a little way outside the city to a riverbank where we thought people would be meeting for prayer. And we sat down and, and to speak with some women who had gathered there. One of them was Lydia from Thyteria, a merchant of expensive purple cloth who worshiped God. As she listened to us, the Lord opened her heart and she accepted what Paul was saying. She and her household were baptized. And she asked us to be her guest. If you agree with that I am a true believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at home, at my home. And she urged us until we agreed. Okay. Right here. They go to Macedonia, and logically they pick what we would pick, the biggest city of Philippi. So they're using human reason here. And then they stay there several days, and basically nothing's happening. I think about, do I feel that way? When I'm, I'm trying to follow the Lord, and I still use my life, I think it's right. And it's major in that place. And then when we're what I think is the best course of action, the Holy Spirit, or things happen. It's like, you know what? This wasn't, this still isn't the right decision. Well, did I, was the Holy Spirit saying the right thing or am I missing something? What's happening here? But then they decided to go off a little bit into the river area and they find a woman named Lydia. They find Lydia. So the, the Holy Spirit has Lydia on his mind. Oh, the men have... We're going to the big city. Maybe they have in their mind, we're going to find, we're going to find maybe some Jewish men and talk about the gospel with them. But no, God said, I want you to find a non-Jewish woman who's a businesswoman. And I want you to talk to her about Jesus. So confronting perceptions, Right? confronting what they think was right, kind of like me walking into Harry's in the Loop. This is not kind of what I want to walk into. 
my own prejudices. And it was a good time. God, in bringing Lydia into their life, is I want you to change your perception and walk into what I have for you. Now, they didn't accept well, because as you see here, she had to convince them. She had to convince them. It says, come and stay at my home. And she urged us until we agreed. She had to literally beg these men who were on a journey to find people. Why? Why? They were literally on a journey to find new followers. Why did she have to urge them? Question, are you willing to break from tradition or your expectations to follow the Holy Spirit? Are we willing to break from what we expect is good or right, from what we've been taught, from what we grew up in, if and only if the Holy Spirit is leading us to something different? So we can find that Lydia. You see, Lydia is a key person in the history of the early church. She more than likely becomes the host of the first church among the Gentiles that meets in a home. So the Holy Spirit said, the first church I want to be a household led by a woman. That's not a Jew. Crazy, right? That's what the Holy Spirit does. And as we know, from this point on, they meet Lydia, they go to her house, they're greatly encouraged, and then they move on and they get into a lot of trouble. So moving on, Acts chapter 16, verse 29 through 33. So they meet a jailer in prison. They're praising God. Another redirecting happens. And in that time, the Holy Spirit works. I'll pick up right here in verse 29. So the jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who believe in his household. Even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized and saved. And so this journey is just bunch of, just full of a bunch of things that are not expected. They get put in prison. The jailer comes to Christ. The jailer and his family end up, end up tending to their wounds and becoming a part of the family. Right after they leave a house, we assume, full of women that are likely the first church amongst the Gentiles. The whole time, though, I want, to, I want to show this, is that through all the redirecting, Paul, Silas, and Timothy show grit. They don't stay in what they think is right. Move, they move into what the Spirit is telling them. They adapt. When we show grit to changes, we find oikos. 
we find family. They found a family amongst Lydia, and they found family in the jail amongst the jailers. Because <laughs> now those people are in the house of God. So we've been going through a struggle ourselves, and we've been finding family in it. Uh, so for the past year and a half, Alyssa and I have been trying to have children, and it hasn't gone as we expected. God has redirected us. God has changed our plans and said, you're not going to have kids right now. And in doing some of the tests we've been tested, it actually found out that it's me. I'm the reason why we're not having kids. So God is telling me, are you okay with that? And what are you going to do with that? Are you going to stay stubborn and just ignore it and act like it hasn't happening? Or are you going to move forward as I've redirected you? Are you going to stay stubborn and not open up and share this story with people that you trust? Or are you going to stay stubborn and haul away in secrecy, even amongst those who are called your family? So after a time of being stubborn and not sharing this struggle that was really embarrassing, that made me feel like I was a failure, that, that I wasn't even a man. God said, this is a message that you can choose to share. And in that message, if you let the Holy Spirit lead you, if you let me redirect you, you'll find family too. And I kid you not, I've shared our struggle and why. Me, as the purpose of that struggle with men that I know. And Almost every guy has come back and said, oh, I'm having the same struggle too. Actually, we've been trying to have kids too, and it hasn't worked. And we felt the instant connection. A, a guy that I barely even knew, who's, who's also a church planner like me, I felt the Holy Spirit say, share with him. His name is Joseph Ingram. And we, had, we were able to identify with each other. And it funded us. Because of me sharing my struggle. And I see, and there's a family that I see because of that. So I don't know when and how we believe that we will. But I do know that at least there are people here that I consider closer family because of that struggle. And I have decided, we have decided to go on that journey together. And it found us family. It found us Lydia's and Jailer's and Timothy's. But it takes embracing when the Holy Spirit changes our plans, when he redirects us. And it took me not being ashamed and believing that it's not me that produces life. It's, it's the Lord. It's not me that wins. It's the Lord. It's not me that wins me. It's the Lord that wins me, that succeeds me. The same for all of us. I believe that as Paul and Silas and Timothy were walking throughout Macedonia, that is what got them to praise God in the prison, which converted the hearts of jail people, jailers, who shackled them in the prison. As they said, how are you acting differently? 
why are you praising in trial instead of doing what most people do? Finding a way to escape. Finding a way to avoid. Finding a way to haul off and not be open and not trust. They won souls. 2 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10 says, Three times I begged the Lord to take it away from me. This is Paul talking about his, a struggle that he had. We don't know what it is, but he had one. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast in my weakness. So that the power of Christ may work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, the hardships, the persecutions, and the troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then, and only then, am I strong. When pastor knocks over a bucket, I'm strong. No, <laughs> oh, anyway. When I am weak, then I am strong. When we are weak, when we are imprisoned, when, we, when God redirects us, when we go through an interruption, when God says, here's your family, not the person that you thought. Lydia is the person I want you to plant a church through, not some dude in, in the Jewish province of the area. When we embrace God's struggles, God's challenges, God's interruptions, we find family we find where God wants us to be. So after Paul and Silas have been beaten up and those that beat him become followers of Christ and, lick, and help their wounds, they go back to Lydia's house. In Acts 16, verse 40, it says, When Paul and Silas left the prison, they returned to the home of Lydia. There they met with the believers and encouraged them once more. So there's more believers there. And then they left town. So what was once a place that they had to be urged, they had to be, they had to, they had to be begged to be there. It's now a place that they go to. It's a haven. It's a homeland for them. It's an oikos for them. It's a place they could have missed. If they were stubborn and didn't go with Lydia, it's a place they could have missed if they didn't get beat up and get put in prison and they didn't praise God. It's a place they could have missed if they didn't embrace the Holy Spirit and where he was going with openness, vulnerability, and a weakness. Who is our Lydia? Who are the people that we see that we may not see them visually as family or that they have a place in our church? But the Holy Spirit does see. Who are the people that the Holy Spirit is asking us to stand with and identify with? Because he sees them as family. Even though they struggle, they conflict with our misconceptions means to be who we think are because maybe in those times 
if we have a conversation, if we share our struggles with them, friendship, we'll find kinship. us. It takes us being vulnerable. You see, I was encouraged by Ken that my struggle was actually a weapon to create family with others. If I'm willing to walk with the Holy Spirit into that. But it's, it was my choice. It's, it's, it's my choice to do that. And so think about right now, who, is, who are those people? Who is that person that God is asking you to stand with in their struggle or in sharing yours with them. Be like someone like, you know what, God, I don't know why, but I'm struggling with alcoholism or I've been struggling with depression or pornography or my job isn't working out too well and I'm worried about my finances. And I'm feeling led to share that right now in this meeting with my coworkers over coffee. Who knows what would happen if we did that? What family will come out of that? What Lydia will come out of that? God redirects us. Are we willing to Are we willing to believe and move forward? Galatians 5.25 says, Since we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. No matter where He wants us to go, no matter who He's telling us to engage, no matter what cause or what people that, we, that He's calling us to stand with, May we go with him, with the gospel, and stand with those. Because who knows what church God's willing to plant in new areas that have never heard the gospel before. Or whose hearts. Whose hearts. So I'm challenging myself to do that more and more. He's given me a great tool with, with, our, with our, our story of having a family, and may we embrace that challenge as a church, as individuals, to go with the things we're afraid for, go with, with the gospel. And may we see the kingdom grow and the Oikos family spread. In Jesus' name, this is what I, what I pray for. Let's pray together. <clears throat> Lord, I thank you for, for your kingdom. I thank you for your church, I thank you for what you've called us into. I thank you that you've given us a message and a testimony that you've asked us to spread where you've called us to be, where you've called us to, to spread it. May we go boldly with grit wherever you redirect us, not in stubbornness to stay in our old ways, but to embrace the new way that you've called us into. And to speak to those or to identify with those who we may feel nervous to identify with. Because in that, we'll gain new brothers and sisters. We'll gain new family, new members of the church. And may we see in our own way the same story as what Paul and Silas 
and the new member of the team, Timothy, saw when they get to go back to Lydia's home and praise God in her house. We praise you and we hope that you show us this in our own way, in our own time, here in Houston, Texas, in this home, in this church, in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.